welcome back for another episode of Clean Tech Talk, where we at Clean Technica interview clean tech leaders from around the world. With topics ranging from electric cars to climate change communication, you can listen to our full podcast series by visiting our website at cleantechnica.com. We are here for another episode of Clean Tech Talk, and in particular, our Dealer Digest series that Joe Boris and I are doing. I'm Zach Shahan, CEO of Clean Technica, and today we're continuing from uh, our, we had a little bit of a Christmas and holiday break, <laughs> COVID break, you know, different things going on. Hey, yeah. um, so A lot, a lot are, happened. <laughs> we are back, and we're continuing on the thread we were pulling last time about customization, custom orders. Joe, what is the topic of the day? And yeah, how do we get into it? Yeah. So the last episode that we did, we talked a little bit about, you know, Volvo's overseas delivery program. And we kind of talked a little bit about why people, why specifically American car buyers aren't of that mindset to wait for a new vehicle, to place that order for exactly what they want. And in the last two months, you know, two, two and a half months since we did our last episode, there has been actually some movement on this. So, and it comes, what's interesting is it comes from both the top end of the spectrum where you have your Porsche, your BMW, your Rolls Royce, and also at the bottom end where we're talking about Ford and Fiat as very mainstream kind of brands. So I want to talk a little bit in the US particular, one of Ford's hot new products is the new Bronco, right? They have the Bronco sport they have the bronco and it's not an ev so it's not something we've talked about a lot on clean technica but from the point of view of the dealer digest show it's interesting to note that ford is building standalone bronco centers and ford dealers hundreds of ford dealers are being required to have these if they want to sell the bronco and the way it works is it's almost kind of like an apple store there's a lot of wood finishes there's plants in there and they have like two or three Broncos inside that are all decked out with different stuff. Just want to say there's plants, <laughs> there's plants in there. There's this plants. There's like, well, they have to, cause they're, they're that outdoorsy vibe. Right. So you got to like have show some kind of uh, authenticity here. In fact, if you want, I can share my screen with you and you can actually see this thing. Well, this will be uh, mostly audio, but yeah, sure. Go ahead and share screen. So, know, two, so two or three Broncos you said, so it's actually not like a huge, no, it's a very small space. It looks almost like a Starbucks. Sort of so like a Tesla store where you go in and there's a few cars. Just, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sort of like a <laughs> Tesla store. Exactly, exactly. It's almost... It was like, it's don't, all, let's not go there. It's, no, you know, I'm fine with it because it's it's the same kind of idea, right? Where what you're going to do is you're going to go in there, you're going to be very comfortable and you're going to explore all the different ways that you can order this thing and specify it. And it kind of led me to this interesting point where, you know, it used to be very simple. Like when we started doing this in the eighties, early nineties, it was a very simple thing that a luxury car was a car that had leather. It had power windows and door locks. It has cruise control. But when the cheapest new car you can buy is packed with technology that didn't exist 20 years ago, what really makes something a luxury car? What makes an experience a luxury experience? And I think Tesla really picked up on that. And as other dealers and manufacturers push their dealers towards that Tesla model, we're starting to find that that customization is really where the luxury lies, right? So- yeah. Well, looking at this yeah. picture, it definitely looks like, I would drive up to it thinking it's a Starbucks. I see the Broncos inside, oh, this is a drive-in Starbucks, not a drive-through <laughs> drive Starbucks. Starbucks. I was like, hey, what is going on here? 
it definitely looks but it, i i see completely what you you've described it well i think it is a really it's an interesting example here yeah so you're not going in there and buying a bronco today there is nobody sitting there in a tweed suit with you know leather patches on the elbow saying what can we do to get you in this bronco today that's not happening they're sitting down they're taking the time to to customize it with you and spec it out and it's probably a lot more profitable for them because now they're talking about adding on, you know, rooftop tents, adding on off-road accessories, adding on camping gear that you're probably never going to use. I mean, for all of Rivian's PR about their pullout cookware and camping set, they're going to sell a ton of those that never, ever get used. And I see you laughing because this is a video call, but you know that to be true. There's going to be a lot of our readers who have a Rivian with that fold-out camper who will never use it. No, yeah. I mean, the first thing that came to mind is myself, who probably wouldn't even order it. But if I did order it, I probably <laughs> wouldn't use it. And uh, But it is the kind of thing that people do, myself included. You, you think, yeah. oh, that looks great. I want that. And then you order it. You maybe use it once a year. Yeah. Maybe. The way that it, I think that would work, because we are, we are recording this. Uh, the Super Bowl fandom is going nuts today. The cosplay is out of its mind. Uh, I think it's the season finale of football today. So, um, you know, those guys always get nuts around the end of the year. And uh, it's interesting because I feel like today is the day where you could use that Rivian thing. You would go to the stadium. You're thinking, oh, I'm going to do a tailgate party. But then you realize once you're there, the thing comes out sideways. So you actually can't do a tailgate party with it unless you have (laughs) two or three parking spots. Because that defeats the whole purpose of the tailgate. Yeah, what is going on? That's funny. (laughs) So, like, I I think now, you know, now I'm looking at it like the Ford Lightning where you can lower the rear bed and have all the plugs and the standard outlets right there. That's the better deal for tailgate. The the Ford people might have more football fans on their their team. Than Rivian? I got to tell you. But you seem like a football. You're not a football. I'm not a football guy. I, I find the whole thing. I find the whole thing a little questionable, you know, it's like the tight, the tight uniforms or what? What Yeah. You know, the muscle guys with the tight pants and the jock straps. It seems like a different crowd. Tackling each other, getting blocked by humongous. Yeah. There's the one guy gets real close to the back end of the other Oh yeah, I know. That's the one thing. I mean, that's, that's really, that's next level. The whole it's, yeah. Anyway, let's not go down that road. Not for me. You were starting to say me. something. I, you, I like motorcycles. You were starting to say something I like before I distracted us. Yeah, no, it's good. This is uh, now we've gone from podcast to hate crime. I'm very excited about it. <laughs> but in any event, yeah, I think that that's, you know, that idea that you can sort of live out this automotive fantasy and this automotive that the, the thing that you're buying, it represents some kind of lifestyle choice. And obviously that's always been there with the Jeep Wranglers. I think early on when we started doing this together in like 08, 09, 2010, you got that some, some with the Prius, right? So like the Prius was a very, you know, you bought that because you were an eco-conscious, efficient person. And I think the early first wave of Teslas, you had a lot of those early adopter type of guys. And I think that this push to making, almost making everything a lifestyle choice, you're seeing that happen again on the high end and the low end. So in Europe, they have the Fiat Panda. I know when, when you lived in Europe, you probably saw a bunch of these things. And there was a recent interview with the new CEO of Stellantis, which is the parent company of Fiat, Chrysler, Citron. And he was talking about how 
the most affordable EV on the market is going to be the one that they launch next year, which is going to be the Fiat Panda. And they're talking about different ways to cut costs on the car and make that standing, that starting price lower. And one of the things that they chose to do was eliminate the infotainment system. So there's no screen, there's nothing to touch, there's nothing to tap, but they have a dock and you can put into that dock your iPad, your Android device, whatever it is. And then the car essentially becomes a Bluetooth speaker. And all of your display information is from downloaded from an app. So your GPS, your audio, all of your media, your you know audio books, everything comes with you on your phone. You put it in, that's your navigation and it's gone. And they're removing the cost of coming up with a UI. They're removing a cost of coming up with a bunch of drivers for navigation and CAN bus and everything else. They're removing a ton of cost and they're marketing that what, what, what I would call from an industry term decontenting. So they're marketing that decontented thing as a premium experience, as a you get to have the experience that you want in your car. And I find that wild. Well, you know, there's there's you know, there's clean technical readers and listeners who will love this. So you, I'm sure you can name some of them. Uh, so it's really it's really uh, it's, Freedom EV, I, think, I love you, buddy. <laughs> Maybe one of them. But definitely like it's I mean. I think it is fascinating, even before you were saying that, that, that it has a kind of, it is a kind of better experience while cutting costs. Like, and, and, you know, I think the first person, the first company I knew to do this was, was probably Scoot when they had these, uh, these Scoot uh, car, ele- electric scooter sharing services started in San Francisco. And they would, they had the same deal. Like you came and connected your phone, put your phone on the scooter and that's how you, unlocked everything and 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 you know used the scooter so uh it's it just seems like it's sitting there as an obvious easy opportunity i mean it's not going to give you the same as a as a tesla or mercedes you know uh, infotainment system but at the same time it's like what a lot of people just want what's on their phone they don't want to be and they want a lower price i mean i i mean i it's tempting as yeah i I think it's really appealing i like it Yeah. And just, oh, I, and I was just gonna say, and just choice. I mean, it's just nice to have choice. And this is a lot of the complaints are like, you know, like they're not saying everything should be like that. They just want the choice. And it's like, you know, there's too much of a situation where everybody's been forced into the same different, uh, you know, few options for vehicles. Right. But you're touching on it exactly right. Because you are like in this elder millennial mindset and this idea that you have choice that the choice is the luxury. You're not going to a dealership and they've got 15 cars and they're saying, pick one of these and then we'll figure out financing terms and squeeze you out of every warranty penny. You're going in on your terms and you're saying what you want. And that choice is the new luxury, whether regardless of the price, right? Like it's better to have a choice, even if it reduces content and you have a different, but you have a a choice now. And I think that that is something that a lot of people are engaging with. And Back to the dealer experience, as the dealers are moving to this, there's a better opportunity. Like I sent you one with Porsche where Porsche has their, uh, they used to call it individual. I think now it's manufacturer where you can order a Porsche in a custom color. And when I say a custom color, I mean, you send them a swatch, you send them a paint sample and they will paint the car to the color that you send them, whatever it is. You send them a fabric sample, you know, like if I, I'm wearing this plaid flannel and I say, man, this is really cool. I can send them this shirt and they will do the entire interior in this pattern 
of shirt and it doesn't add cost. It adds time. So you're going to wait six months. You're going to wait a year, but you're going to get exactly what you want. Whatever your little heart's content, you're going to get it. And I find something like that completely at odds, you know, because this is dealer digest. How are you as a car dealer that has spent the last 20 years operating on the principle of let's get the deal done today. What can I do to get you in this Honda Odyssey today? How are you going to transition that mindset over to this new space? Right. And I think that this coffee shop idea is one way to do it. And they plop these right in the middle of that traditional dealership. Like it's a standalone building. So you pull into like this giant Albany Ford setup and there's 250 focuses and F-150s and Rangers. And then you take this little left turn and then all of a sudden you're in the coffee shop and you get a completely different experience. How many people are going to buy Broncos and fall in love with that experience and then go to buy a Mach-E or go to buy a Ranger from the conventional store and get the same crappy experience that we've all been used to for 20 years and just stand up and walk away? And go buy a Tesla, I guess. Or the, yeah, or some, yeah. Well, I, I definitely, I mean, there's a kind of, yeah, different levels of this being introduced, different uh, versions of it. I don't know if I have any good question. I was going to, I was just impressed that you very clearly inserted me into the elder millennial grouping, which. <laughs> <laughs> is that wrong? <laughs> no, that's very accurate, which is why I was very impressed with it. I was like, wow, he's. He knows me well, or he's really good at this uh, generation. generation Right, right. I kind of slice every. I think it's a combination of both, right? Because like I I come, I feel like I identify more with the Gen X group because like, even though, you know, I was born in the seventies, late seventies, like my older cousins and my parents and all that were, were kind of there. So the movies that I would watch and would be like what my cousins were into. Right. So they were a little bit older and I got, you know, I got exposed to like the 16 candles and the breakfast club at a much younger age, I think than most people. So I kind of identify with them. Yeah. When you say my, my older sister, you remind me more of my older sister, which is just exactly what you said the yeah the youngest gen xers versus the older oldest millennials (laughs) well exactly right and you know like my prevailing attitude is i don't care like i'll go into a dealership and like they try to talk to me and they want to be my friend and they want to tell me about your family it's like i don't care dude just like just put the papers in front of me i'll sign it i don't care I'll pay whatever you want. Just get me out of here in the least amount of time possible. I do not care. It's like, That's- this one's blue, but this one's a prettier blue. Don't care. <laughs> this is the one that I tripped over when I walked in. I'm going to buy it. I don't care. And like, oh th- this is why Tesla drove me nuts. So, you know, I'll, I'll talk a little bit about my buddy, Brent CV. He was actually the first OG Tesla guy. He was their first sales guy that trained all the other remarketing guys, right? He was employee number like 0007. I mean, like nothing. He had the founder's edition. He actually waited to get this founder's edition VIN, which was 00007 so that he could be 007, which like, I love it. I'm like so into it, right? So he's a really interesting cat because he is one of the guys who had this vision, right? Like I knew him from Nissan. We worked together at a Nissan store for a while. And he was the one who had this vision of like the way that we sell these Teslas and create this different experience is we bring people in, we educate them, we show them their options, we help them place the order, but we don't sell them anything. 
we're we're there allowing them to build that dream and take mental ownership and have the car that they want and go that route. And dude, that would never work on me. <laughs> it's like there is zero chance that I'm going to sit there and have somebody go, here's this notepad. Like here's this giant book of different fabric swatches and leather and paint. It's like, ah, get me out of here. But it, it is funny to look at that and kind of see these two models like really taking shape because it, it is a generational thing. And as the generational wealth moves on to the millennials, right? Completely skipping Gen X, but that's a totally different conversation. But as that generational wealth moves to the millennials and the millennials are the ones buying more and more cars, while the boomers and elder Gen X people still have these associations of that older model, I think Ford's got it right where you have almost the two of them side by side because you really you really have to commit to one or the other is the conventional thinking Ford saying, no, 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 no. We're going to have it so that you can order this thing and maybe just pick it up at the dealer. I think that's really clever. If you want to go to the dealer, you can, but if you want to go online, you can. And I think that again, it comes back down to choice that the choice of how you want to approach them and how you want to approach the process. I think that's going to be the big differentiator you know, among the millennials and, and the people who are going to be buying cars for the next 15, 20 years. And I don't know if this is a generational thing, but I would say from, from my age down, at least like just absolutely do not want to talk to another human, like anything to do it online, <laughs> anything to do it by text, just without voice, without face to face, you know, yeah. like, like we're it, not, it, <laughs> I mean, that's where I, I know I get shuffled into the millennial box. Uh, yeah. You know, thank 100%. goodness I barely made it. <laughs> so you have you have no desire to like walk into a dealership and have like a battle of wills with the guy oh yeah yeah <laughs> it's like neg- negative 700 like this is <laughs> it's like <laughs> i'll pay more but yeah. again but isn't that tesla's model because they have the highest margins in the industry so they have proven that people are willing to pay substantially more to, to not, not be go bothered and even if you the- walk into the store just don't harass me you know stand there by the don't wall if i have a yeah. question <laughs> after five minutes i'll come over to you and i'll ask it you know just uh and then we can have a nice conversation, but just don't get up in me. <laughs> I've always felt like the, so there was a great, I was talking to another guy and this is another guy in the dealership world that I know very well. Uh, he's with a company called brain trust partners that they're, they're just super smart data guys. They do data compliance. I love these guys. But one of the things he was talking about was there were cameras at a Houston dealership and the dealership closed at six. And what they found was that the store itself had more foot traffic and more people walking around the lot looking at cars after 6 p.m. than at any time while it was open. And what they did, which was really clever, was they came up with all these QR codes and they put them on the car. So if you had a question, you could scan it with your phone and it would call some call center and it would show them what car you were on and a product specialist would be able to answer questions about it. And then say, look, you know, hey, do you, do you want to give us a call tomorrow or whatever? Um, however, that worked. And I thought that was just such a smart idea because I, there are just hundreds of people who would be more than happy to buy a car from you if you just didn't talk to them. Yeah. You said that was Houston or where was it? I think it was Houston. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I, I mean, that might be proprietary. I might have violated a couple no, of disclosure well, agreements. Let's see. I think it's a really cool thing to highlight. And it's it's a kind of, you know, you, we talk about, oh, the, the auto industry is so slow to change. Deal, dealers are, you know, not innovative, not, you know, not looking at the future. That's an, that's an extremely good example of someone looking at, 
you know, existing technology yeah. and, and options and analyzing data and saying, hey, look at this, uh, let's do this differently. I yeah, think that is fascinating, uh, just standalone as well, just that people I, will come after hours to look without being talked to. Yeah, so let's let's do this. One last thing, I want to talk about a, uh, a Volkswagen dealer in San Juan Capistrano. They're called Capo VW Mazda. They are selling the snot out of ID4s. They're selling these, uh, the MX-30, that Mazda EV that's horrible. It's not horrible, right? It's okay. Well, when you say MX, I think Model X. (laughs) Yeah, no, no, no. Especially in the US. I know, I know. I know. It took a second. Yeah. Yeah. Mazda has this little EV hatch thing. It's got like 100 miles of range. Yeah. Uh, Actually has really good regen braking. So if you're in really bad traffic, Jim, you might end up where you are, where you're going with more range than when you started. But it's actually a neat little car, but it has terrible range and it's very pricey. So a lot of people kind of dismiss it. I, I'm one of them, but these guys are selling it. And if you, if you look at what they're doing and the reason I brought them up is they have like drive-in movies. They have like classic VWs in the showroom. So you walk in and they have these old sixties VWs. And I've, I've talked to this guy, Gary Willenborg, who's the GM there. I've talked to him several times and his philosophy is he wants to be the undealer. So, and he's, he'll say this to you. He says this on podcasts and different talks that he does industry-wise, and he'll talk about being an undealer. And it's like, if it looks like something a car dealer would do, we're not going to do it. So they have movie nights where they'll have like, you know, Herb, like they'll have Herbie's rides again, playing in the theater or in the, in the dealership. And you can bring your kids and they'll have popcorn and watch the movie and talk about VWs and like, Hey, maybe you want to buy one. Maybe you don't, whatever, but you're just here to be like a part of it and a part of the VW experience and have this really fun time. And I can't imagine doing business with a place like that and dealing with them for two or three years. And then just because they don't have a red one or something driving an hour away and going to someone who treats you horribly, like they would never lose you. They would pay, they would pay so much money just to be loyal to their nice, friendly deal undealer. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. They would pay that money. Yeah, exactly. Right. So I think we've just talked, I think we've, we've talked ourselves back to the circle of like, how can dealers do it better? How can we be better customers? Right. Because I think that I really do believe that it's a two-way street, right? Like dealers take so much abuse. I know you don't like that term. <laughs> you have oh, no. never walked into like Best Buy and gone, is that the best you can do on this iPhone? Like you just don't do that. People don't aren't wired that way, but you, you're going to buy a car. It's the first thing you do. What's the best price you can get me on this? Right. So it's just a funny thing yeah, to no. me, but, but I think is- if you're a good dealer, you get good customers and good service means that you will continue to go back to that store and maybe you pay a little bit more, but you're paying for the experience and you're paying for the, for being treated like a human being, you know? And with the undealer, I mean, I think, you know, with so many things I see, uh, this is an issue for me with, with charging, charging stations. I always think like, just make a place where people want to go, like, just make it a place where people want to go. You can, that can be with a lot of money or a little money, but you can always make a place. You can make a park. That's nice. You can make a, coffee stand you know location you can we can do all kinds of things make a really cool just you know cozy sit down i mean that's what, what starbucks, did. starbucks makes so much money because they just made places where people want to go it doesn't even matter what there's i mean but what do stuff. you feel how do you feel about taco bell announcing all those chargers that they're going to put in uh what about it just oh I, I mean i think that a lot of people go to taco bell i think it's smart 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> any like, any restaurant, you know, like if no, you had anything, Sonic, yeah, do they have no, Sonic just, in Florida. Yeah, right. Yeah, we have some Sonic. Wawa is, I mean, people are a really big fan that Wawa has a lot of uh superchargers and that kind of thing because i guess people like wawa a lot but yeah but, but think I mean, about sonic sonic you pull your car up yeah. you place your order someone brings it to your window you're already planning on being there for 30 minutes all it takes is a charger right there you plug in the car or, or heck the little server could plug in your car would you like me to plug you in sir no problem click and then you pay your bill at the end it's I mean, but, that, but that's, I mean, on the dealer side, I mean, the, like the Wawa thing, like Wawa has improved, I guess, the gas station experience a little bit. It's not like they went above and beyond and made it like some fab, fantabulous place to have a party, but it's like, uh, <laughs> but, you know, just they improved it a little bit and people are just love it because of that. And again, yeah. again, the dealers, there's so much potential. They have all this space, all this money. They've always, I was going to say, they always sponsor, you know, like little league teams and stuff like that which got yeah. them, but, but this is not an era of just sponsoring little league teams. Like just create a cool sit down, you know, co-working space or whatever, you know, just do something that makes people want to visit you. Not after hours, <laughs> not after hours. <laughs> and, yeah. And then don't like stand on top of them, trying to get them to quickly sign the leasing papers. Like, you know, it's just like, exactly like, right. Like, exactly. Right. Just I'm be cool, dude. You. you know, but this yeah. sounds like, it sounds like we have examples of that happening. I think that the, the biggest question keeps coming to mind is how much that happens, how fast those kind of options pop up and how fast those kind of things change. But you know, that's what we'll keep exploring they, on dealer digest. Exactly. Exactly. So I think that was good. I think we got a show. Well, just to wrap up then on the, just did you, let's summarize what you talked about as far as the customized. <laughs> yeah, we got way off. Topic. No, no. Just as far as the customized orders goes, because that was yeah. sort of the focus. So, so the, which companies and what, what ways sure. are they offering that? So you're seeing Ford is starting to offer something of a customize your vehicle experience because they're doing a lot of things online and they're trying the standalone model at Bronco. Fiat is moving down market. They're taking content out of the vehicle, standardized content out, and they're in creating a space for people to individualize the vehicle on their own. And they're taking steps to make that easy to do. They're making the speakers really easy to get to in the doors. If you're an audiophile, they're making the seats really easy to remove and swap out. If you want to put in sports seats or buckets or anything a little more traditional over on the high end, you have companies like Porsche that are doing custom paint, truly custom colors and custom interiors. BMW will do the same thing for you as well. Uh, obviously those are at a premium price. And I think everybody is trying to find that mix of, creating a more communal space where you can be a part of the dealership and be in that space without the pressure that I think dealers have been built on and how manufacturers are going to be able to influence the franchise dealers who have built their business on that do business today, give me your money today model, how they can transition those guys over, uh, I think is really going to be the next step in that business. And it's really going to determine whether or not the franchise dealers stay alive because I you know, like you made the comment earlier, younger, you know, my age and younger, they don't want to talk to people. They would love, they would spend all day at a car dealership looking at cars if they were buying a car that day. But the minute you talk to them, you've created a barrier. And uh, I, I think if you can eliminate that barrier, you're going to do a lot better in the next 15, 20 years. That's right. Sounds good. So we uh, will keep exploring. And I think we'll have some episodes coming up about auto shows. We're going to talk a little bit about yeah, I'd like to talk a little bit about how 
especially with the Chicago Auto Show having just wrapped up. Uh, that is something that's a lot of the dealer shows are not really aware of. A lot of people don't realize that a lot of those cars, car shows are stocked and manned by people at the dealerships and how they reach out to you later and turn that into, you know, if they do it wrong, a high pressure experience, you know, they've, they've effectively punished you for going to a car show, right? <laughs> They, you go to the car show, you sit in a Ford Mustang, you go, oh, this is kind of cool. And then, you know, the dealership harasses you for three months to come buy a Bronco. <laughs> so, that's so. A pr- so that's a primer for coming episodes. Is, so if you like Clean Tech Talk, Dealer Digest, please remember to review us and, su- and sub- subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you're listening. Uh, and you can also support our work at uh, future.cleantechnica.com slash subscribe small monthly donation of $3 a month even goes a long way to help us do what we do. Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Joe. I love these Dealer Digest conversations. They're fascinating. And yeah, I always learn a lot. So thank you. We got so far off topic. (laughs) All right. Thank you for listening to Clean Tech Talk. Join us next time to get your electric fix. If you would like to sponsor our podcast, send us an email at accounts at cleantechnica.com. That's A-C-C-O-U-N-T-S at cleantechnica.com. Thanks. Thanks.